Good morning and welcome. We're here with Margot Gordon in conversation with our owner. And she's going to talk all about Sheba and Jack, a lovely dog. So Margot, would you like to tell me all about them? What breed are they? Well, we never really found out because they're rescue dogs that I found in the Australian bush when they were two and a half years old. And they'd been abandoned by their owners. But <clears throat> I never really discovered their breed. But possibly Poodle and Laza outside, I guess. They're, they're siblings from the same litter, but they're very different sizes, which people always comment on. Which they look like sort of mother, son, or brother, sister. Well, they sister. just say, well, how can they be siblings if one's so much smaller than the other? And I always say, well, my brother's much bigger than me. <laughs> That's very good. But also, we don't like to say the word R-U-N-T in front of the small Quite right, one, yes. Which is... She's very much her own dog, you know, she's not kind of diminished in any way by her stature. You know, she just, they've both got very strong characters, very different from each other, and size doesn't matter. No, absolutely. It's all about the love which they give us, yes. and they give plenty of that. Yes, and the energy they have, and the playfulness, and how much we get out of playing with them. I think that's been the greatest thing they've given me because I've never owned my own dog before. I had grew up in a family that had dogs, but I was at boarding school. So. Oh, right. So these are your first two my dogs, own. your own. Yeah. yeah. I've had a cat, <laughs> haven't we all? <laughs> but they don't, they, we don't really have a cat. They have us. That's right. Well, funny you should say that because with these two dogs who were on their own quite a long time before I found them, I mean, you should have seen the state of them. They were matted. And you just couldn't even tell they were dogs, really. They had so much matted hair. And you mentioned earlier you found them in the Australian yes. bush. I mean, how, how did that come about? How, how well, was you in Australia? I was living there, okay. uh, working. I had a business in a tourist resort called Port Douglas, which is in the tropics, the northeast of Australia. Very popular tourist resort. And I lived outside of Port Douglas on a remote beach. And um, one day, I was in Port Douglas, and there was one high street. It's an old fishing village. I've never <coughs> been. And um, there was this creature in the bush. <coughs> and I actually didn't know it was a dog. Oh, you just heard the rustling in the bush? I saw something moving. Could have been a koala. Well, not in the no, Oh, right. No, no, not no. Quite, right. quite shy. And also, you don't get that many in the rainforest koalas. They tend to stay more with the eucalyptus trees. Um, and anyway, this thing in the bush didn't want to be noticed and was very sneaky and didn't seem to have two eyes. Only saw one eye peering through this matted fur. Oh, gosh. Could hardly walk his fur was so matted between his toes. Anyway, I was with a friend, and she's very doggy and dog-friendly, and she coaxed him out with food, of course. And it took us three days to find out who had owned him. And finally we found out that, that, that this man who had a tourist boat taking tourists out to the reef owned him. So I went out to find this man in the port, 
and I saw this boat with this other tiny matted dog barking her head off. And it was Jack's sister, Sheba. And as I said to you, they, they had both discs on. Mm -hmm. They had brass discs on with their names engraved on and the phone number, and that phone number was disconnected. And that's why it had taken me so long to detect who, who, who was the owner. Yeah. Anyway, he said his wife had left him and he bought the dogs for her, thinking she had um, empty nest syndrome. Of course, she didn't. She just didn't want to be with him. She just left him. <laughs> oh, and the poor dog. They were just thrown out. Oh, that's tragic. That's awful. But this little one, matted hair, had found her way back to the boat, but covered in mange and fleas. So it's been been missing for quite some time and to be like that. you know, yeah. we had done nothing about That's her. awful. And I said, you know, my friend who was with me, she was furious with him. And I was a bit kinder and I said, can we take them, can we... Um, oh, you knew instantly you wanted to take them to look No, out. no, just to, to maintain I, them. Can I wash them and cut their hair? And I did all, he said yes. And we took them back and we fed them at home and we took them back the same day as we said we would. And I said, before I see you again, you have to take these dogs to the vet. They need treatment now. And he said, okay. And he said, thank you. Can I repay you by taking you out to the reef on my boat? And my friend said, no way. I want nothing to do with you or your boat. I just want you to fix these dogs. Absolutely. So then my, my um, friend went back to England. She was just visiting. And as soon as she went back to England, I rang this guy up and I said, I'll come out to the reef on your boat because I wanted to see the dog. Yeah. I wanted to see if he'd done anything. Looking after them, yeah. Checking up on them, really, yeah, for yeah. their welfare. So there was a, a group of tourists on his boat and I joined them. And uh, there was, there were the dogs. And Jack, the male dog, he was sitting up by the skipper by the wheel like, really the skipper's dog, you know. <laughs> Cute. And Sheba was still eating her fleas, catching and eating her fleas. She was still yeah. riddled with fleas. And I was furious, I said. He said, I did take her and we've got some stuff for the mange. I said, why didn't you get the flea treatment? And he was just, this man was so hopeless, really, and cruel. Cruel is yeah. the word, yeah. And, um, I really saw him for who he was that day on the boat. He was very into him being the skipper and the boat. And as we came back into the port, he played my way loudly, <laughs> you know, so everyone in the restaurant could see him. Yeah. And I thought, okay. Um, so then he came back to me and uh, said he'd fix the fleas. And he said, look, I'm going to go and look for my wife in Italy, will you have the dog? Just like that. Yeah, yeah. three months. And I said, with pleasure. And I took them, started having a wonderful, they'd never been exercised. They hadn't even grown. Oh. They were two and a half and they hadn't grown. So how did he come about getting them? He must have got them from the tablelands where there are puppy farms. And he oh. he'd bought them for a lot of money. Really? So he, yeah, <coughs> so to keep his wife, <coughs> clearly. Well, tried, yeah. but it didn't work. No. And he'd got him for, he'd got Jack first. And she said, I want a bitch. So he went off and got a bitch, and then she left him. 
so these two little dogs have been really mistreated, you know, and, and I think, well, I later found out they'd been punished a lot. They haven't been house trained and therefore they were punished a lot by this awful woman because they shat on her carpet. She never exercised. It was total neglect. And it was awful. Abuse, really. Yeah, yeah, very, very abusive and greedy, cruel people. Anyway, so I had them for three months, and he didn't come back after three months. And one day I was walking in, in Port Douglas on this huge beach, because by then we were exercising every day. They were having a fantastic life. And I met the man's son walking along the beach with his girlfriend and he recognised the dog and I said, yeah, I was looking after him so far he went, oh, that would be right you're just the sort of woman he would make uh, look after his dog as if the son knew his father so well that oh, his right. father manipulated him oh. which is indeed what he well, did. Well, he did, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that kind of confirmed everything for me that even his son talked about him like that Anyway, he never came back from Italy, and we, we started a life together, and they came every day to my massage clinic in Port Douglas and got very used to being in this soothing, cool atmosphere. And they became... My work improved enormously, interestingly enough. Because of their energy? Well, no, they grounded me and made me less lonely. Oh, yes. I'd struggled. You know, I lived, I lived very remote because of the beauty. I struggled awfully with the isolation, and I didn't find Australian people very, they weren't my, they, they as warm as what you would have expected. Well, they didn't get me, and I, I, I didn't really enjoy them. They, don't forget, this is rural Australia, you know, okay. you, you do get some wonderful characters in the outback. This wasn't really the outback, this was a commercial tourist town. With okay lots of boats going out to the reef and hotels and restaurants. The outback's fantastic and it's a different thing altogether. So it's quite transient in a, in a way. It is, and the people are greedy because like any tourist economy, it's hit and miss. Um, and I didn't want to be part of that, I, and I wasn't, but by doing that, I isolated myself. So these dogs really, really changed my life. Well, you didn't know what you needed until you got them. No, that's true. Because that's what dogs do. Mm. So not only it, it's a presence of just them being with you as a companion. Yeah, and I think the fun element. The, you see, so between treatments, I would have a bit of time to myself. And that would be when they'd join me on the mat, because I, I do Japanese massage, so it's floor-based. Sounds amazing. <laughs> and, and they'd join me on the mat, and... You know, even the playfulness between treatments, which which is quite serious, I mean, beautiful, but very focused. Even this sort of lightness that would occur between customers, you know, it just changed. Yeah. It just changed my life, really, and my work improved. This is what was interesting, because people would say, oh, do people mind the dogs being in here? And some didn't like it. Fair enough. But I would say... 98% of the people adored them being there. And for some reason, in the heat with the air conditioning and the darkness of my clinic, the dogs lying on their backs blissfully sort of conked out. I felt in, induced relaxation yeah. in my clients. 
you know, so it's very magical and it hasn't stopped. I mean, they're old now and they're in good nick. <laughs> I'm prepared for them to die. Um, you have to, really. You have to prepare for them not to be there. It will free me up a lot. But I must say, it, I don't think I would have driven up from Crete to London in December without them on my own. I think it would have been a boring trip without them. Well, that's another podcast to hear all about travel with your dogs. I mean, how exciting to do that. Yeah. I, I can't wait to be able to do that with mine. I mean, the other night we went down to Chelsea to pick a friend up from work. And I, I haven't been here since 2012, so it was wonderful to drive through London. Yeah. I popcorn, a Empty streets. Very helpful. <clears throat> and remember, you know, I've forgotten all these routes. And... Uh, Chelsea's so fabulous, got there, and <clears throat> my friend was still working, so I took the dogs for a little walk, and they just went nuts in Chelsea with the smells, <laughs> and they were yanking on the lead, they, everything was so exciting. All those town dogs. Yeah, and, you know, they also were like that when we came here to uh, Queen's Park, but this has become their patch now. Yeah. Whereas... That in Chelsea was just like a whole new, new world. surround, yeah. And just to see that absolute excitement and pleasure, and you know, some people who have dogs don't know that about their dogs. Well, a lot of people I just sort of noticed they they do the same sort of walk every day, and that's their dog's routine. Yeah. They don't actually take them out. They they just take them out for their walk, and then they go about their business. Not that. Yeah anybody's really going anywhere or yeah. doing anything in these yeah. times, but they would leave them at home for the majority of the time. But yeah. you sound like myself, that your dogs come with all the time. So yeah. wherever you go, they go. And London's very open to that, you know, whereas in Greece, um, they're not. And in Australia, they're phobic. Really? They are. You can't even take a dog into a pub. Maybe you can in the outback. I oh. don't know. Where things maybe are a bit more chill. Certainly not in suburban, because even though I was remote, I would call it suburban. Yeah. The mentality was very suburban. You know, it was all about sort of neat and tidy and keeping everything, you know, enclosed and, you know, which, it, which is understandable in Australia because there's this huge, magnificent landscape full of frightening things that can kill you. And the Australians, in, in my experience, you know, very small, limited people because of this, you know, and it made sense to me that that's why the white picket fence, this oh. is my land, and this is, and <clears throat> that, that kind of suburban mentality means that they're quite weird about rules and regulations. People say the Australians are kind of larrikin. I never met one, never. They're completely ruled by the government and the state. They're frightened of the law. And I understand why. You know, there are not many Australians. You know, it's not a huge population. It could easily be found for a parking ticket. No. So, you know, dogs have to fit into that tight little... Maybe Sydney's different. I think in Sydney they have cafes where they do... Puppuccinos and things, you know, dog More cosmopolitan. Well, but I think still a bit toy dog. 
Okay, they're not big dogs. Well, it's funny uh, that, yeah. No, even a big dog, it can be treated as a toy dog. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see them with bows and dress up. They're not really dogs. like dogs. They're not like savage animals, which every dog is. Base, baseline. Well, they will. They would protect you if need they're be. They're wild. You know, they're fantastic. <clears throat> That's why my two survived on their own. <clears throat> In a quite hostile environment. Crocodiles. Gosh. And North Queensland. Yeah, I was surrounded by crocodiles. Wow. And they were on their own in there. Scavenging, you know. So they really, really, really do sort of enjoy their new life now. So how did, how did you get them from Australia to, was it Greece or back to the UK? Well, well we went by South Africa, actually. Okay. So I wanted to leave Australia, obviously. <laughs> Not very complimentary. The, the landscape is worth going to Australia for. And um, I wanted to be nearer Europe when uh, my nephews are in England, and I'm very close to them. They lost both their parents in oh, 2016. They're both in their 30s, and they're fine, actually. Well, they can be. Yeah, they're good men. I adore them. And, and they'd been out to Australia and did a sort of um, backpacking thing where they got hospitality jobs in Port Douglas. They stayed two years, so we're very close. So I wanted to be near to them, but I couldn't move back to England. I don't know why I thought I couldn't. I thought I needed to stay in the tourist industry with my work. But that's what I'd been doing. And I had a practice in London when I when I lived here in my 40s, 30s. But, um, did you keep that when you went to Australia, or did you? No, I left yeah. everything here. I, I rented out my flat. I took moved. So you've always lived in this area? Yeah, in oh, right. Okay. Yeah, this this isn't my flat. This is a friend of mine's flat. My right. flat's rented out. Okay. But it's great that she's in lockdown in Sussex, where she's got, that's her main home, Sussex. And she can't come up. And she's very happy that I'm in the flat. Looking after it, yeah. Yeah, and it's just worked out so beautifully. And therefore, I've, I've had a bit of stuff to sort out with my tenants. Just the proximity is so much easier than doing everything on the telephone. Yes. But anyway... Um, so you went to South Africa? We went to South Africa. We, we went to stay with a friend who I hadn't seen for 30 years. You have a farm in Limpopo. So may I ask, the dogs flew, so they went in cargo, or did they come with? They on, couldn't come no. with, because even if they could, you're only allowed one oh. cabin, not two. I had to fly them cargo, which was awful. Awful, and I'm surprised they survived. Really? Yeah. Um, if you research, as I did, all the uh, pet um, pet care in different airlines, it all sounds fantastic. You know, what you don't realise is that those airlines aren't responsible for the cargo when they pick up the crates and load and unload, and that's when the dogs get thrown around. Oh, traumatic. Yeah, and I saw that. <gasps> I saw oh. that. So the airline can't control that. It's mm. a different mm. part of the airport. So it doesn't matter how fabulous the airline says they are. Lufthansa always sounds fabulous. Yeah. But they can't. Anyway, I went Qantas, and they survived. It was a 17-hour flight from Sydney to Johannesburg, and they didn't even wet themselves. 
And were they in the same crate or separate? No, they separate, were separate crates, but yeah. close by each other. Don't know. You don't know. You you only hope that. Oh, I think yeah, that must be underneath. Yeah. But they came out of it. Yeah. They saw you. They saw their mummy, and they were delighted. To and then we, we, we were picked up. We spent a night in a fabulous pet-friendly hotel near the airport in Johannesburg, which I would recommend to anyone. It was just gorgeous. Everyone was nice to us. The dogs were beautifully looked after. It was luxurious. It was a wonderful welcome, and then my friends drove down from Limpopo and picked us up the next day. We drove back, that was about a five-hour journey up, back up, and the dogs were fine with me in the back, or we were just all cuddled together. And then on this farm, she had six rescue dogs, three cats, and two horses. Just a few, a menagerie. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, great, the dogs are kind of going to have a pack life, which yeah. indeed they did, but... Jack, you know, they were 10 years old then, and, and Jack has a bad leg because he broke it. He hit a car 10 and a half years ago, and he's very protective of it. And there was one young German shepherd who just was fascinated by this old lame dog and sort of persecuted Jack. And Jack just started growling all the time, protecting And I thought, oh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea, you know, to put Jack and Sheba managed, but she would hide, and I just thought, oh, I've done the wrong thing. But we stayed there three months because the woman who owned the farm went went away and asked me to stay and look after the farm. And I did, and I looked after all the animals, and um, I got very close to the six dogs. But in the end, it worked out well, but when we flew from Johannesburg to Athens... Which was your next stop... Mm. We had a four-hour stopover in Doha. We, we flew Qatar Airways. Again, a great pet policy. They must wow. have great staff and their passports. <laughs> yeah, but when we got to Athens, and it was August, really hot, you have to wait a long time in Greece for the paperwork and all of that. It takes ages. I believe they were left on the tarmac in the group. No. I went nuts. So I... Nobody would help me, so I had to leave. And I started sort of lassoing them above my head, so they came to arrest me. Oh, my goodness. Margot, yeah, gosh. I know. I just said, you can't do this to my dog. They suffered enough. You know, and a, a man says, it's all right, I've got dogs. And I said, I bet you have tied up 24 months. Was you able to get onto the tarmac yourself? No, or, no. 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 That's why they... They wanted to arrest you, yeah. <laughs> I felt violent. Lawful. So how, so how long till you were uh, reunited? Someone did it and yeah. put them into an air-conditioned area, which I was great. Well, they said it was air-conditioned. But when I got them, finally, they were drenched, not with pee at all. With perspiration? No. What had happened, when these, when these forklift trucks lift up the crates, loading and unloading, they also lie to you. They tell you that your dogs will be loaded last, so they're not sitting in there for and hours. And able to be and taken off. Yeah. And that's not true. I saw it. It's not true. They don't do that. They just, they literally toss. Really? These big, huge plastic boxes that you, you have to get the right size, but they're yeah. big. And they literally just toss them. 
you know, so the dogs are upside, you know. And that's why when you you have a little water container inside the plastic thing, mm -hmm. container and, and you're told don't fill it up, and like, there's good reason for that. So all that water had been spilled and they were soaked. Gosh. And it wasn't pissed. Because you know, in Doha, there was a four-hour stopover, and they promised you that the dogs will be walked and given some biscuits and have their carriers refreshed. So there I am in Doha, ringing the area, which I'm not allowed to go to, where the dogs are kept. And they promised me, you know, they're going to look after me. They didn't, they didn't even open the crates, I'm sure. And... Gosh, so then who 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 were you flying with at that? Um, Qatar Airways. So you, this is why you decided that you were going to drive I'll and you were never going to put them in an aircraft Especially again. Especially now they're so old, you know. Yeah. I think 10 was too old to do it to them. It took them a while to recover in Greece. I can imagine. But Especially. there was no other way besides sort of um, a ship. That yeah, you could yeah. transport them. No, I tried to look in. You know, they do have ships that go from South Africa up through the Suez into the Med. Takes a long time. And I you, should imagine you can get a booking as a passenger, but it, they're very popular. And I found out it's difficult to get a booking because they're freight ships, but right. they take the odd passenger. It's not a kind of passenger ship. Yeah. And. Um, <clears throat> You have to wait months and months to get a cabin, and <clears throat> also they couldn't accept my dog. Right. <clears throat> but I, I would have preferred to do that. Yeah. But anyway, even I didn't have time. Was sure fine. So from so Margot from Athens, yeah. um, how did you get to Crete? We covered in a pet. What had happened at, at the airport was I'd fallen and broken my wrist because. Oh. I had to run between all these buildings with these pieces of paper and the dogs, I was worried. So I tripped and broke my wrist. And so we we booked a pet-friendly hotel in Athens. So you had to go to the hospital? To I went for an x-ray to an x-ray place right. and they just strapped it up and okay. gave me lots of pain relief. And I was completely traumatised by the whole airport situation. I can imagine. This hotel was so fabulous, and the dogs and I just collapsed there for a week, and uh, the wrists were covered, and I would walk them in the Athens streets, which were difficult for the dogs, because they're so narrow and dirty, and all those motor scooters going by at dog level, so trying to find areas that were quiet, but we, we managed to always have a good time, and you know. And they loved the smells of Athens, you know. There must be a few. Yeah, and it was August, so it was quite empty. And then we took the boat to Crete, which is an overnight boat, booked a pet cabin, which is quite expensive, but very nice, very comfortable. And um, we arrived in Crete, and then the next chapter began, which was fairly traumatic, actually arriving in Crete because um, the hire car, they sent a car with, that couldn't fit in the dog, you know, everything went wrong. And you just, I found out very quickly, everything does go wrong on Crete. You know, oh. it, it's, 
difficult place. So your business was in Crete, though, but my or business is in Crete. And had you um, started it then, or you? I started it as soon as I, I lived on an. A friend gave me a caravan to live in, in an olive grove, in northeast Crete, which is a big tourist area. So every I bought a car, and every day the dogs and I would go off exploring to see where would be a good place. How wonderful! And did they agree? Did you all agree together that it was the right place? Or that executive decision was yours? I think the place I chose, which is Alunda, I chose it because many tourists come there for my business. But I also chose it because you can walk your dogs off lead a lot there. There's a lot of dusty roads with sea either side. Right. And they swim a lot, my dogs. They oh, crabs. fabulous. They swim. They're hunters. Yeah, they're hunters. And I wanted to give them that because in Australia they used to hunt in the shallows all the time and, and run a lot. And I felt rather guilty that I was depriving them of that because in South Africa they haven't had any hunting at all. So it was important that, yeah, that's why I chose it. And that meant I could exercise them and give them freedom. Really. So your business there—they're they're very much part of it. Yes, they come to work every day. Same as in Australia, they're very chill. People like them. The Greeks haven't been very nice to us because they don't like dogs. Um, I, I got a shop in the square in the old part of town where lots of old Greeks live in their apartments. Their families have had for generations, you know, and so we were right in the of their kind of disclosure at this single white woman with two small black dogs arriving and setting up a business. Even though we bring money, obviously, we pay tax and we bring money to the community and we have varieties of our businesses. The older Greeks don't really get that. They don't want us there. Oh, really? They want the money, but they don't want us there. Don't like us at all. So you didn't find it very welcoming. Not at all. But you've stayed there for how many years? Well, I needed to set up business, so I did. I hadn't worked for a while. You know, I haven't, I haven't worked in lockdown at all. But I hadn't worked for a while, and I wanted just to set up business. So I just set up business and got a really nice shop, made it very beautiful, inviting did all my advertising and marketing, and it started to work. So I started to attract a footfall to my shop for two seasons. And then this happened, so no work now for over a year. None of us have had. No. Taverna's bars, everywhere shut. Everywhere seems a ghost town. And nobody's, um, the government doesn't, the Greek government hasn't given small business any money at all. Only the hotels, the rich people got the money. It's sort of mafioso, really. So you came back from there a couple of months ago, mm. back to Through London. To visit. So, <laughs> do you feel so? How how did everybody their morale? How's everything there? How well? What about the dogs? I mean, um, are there many stray dogs? Are there no? No, that's been, everybody. That's been corrected in Crete. There are lots of lovely rescue places run by non-Greeks. Um, I went to. I was looking for kennels 
because I I've got no one I can leave them with if I want to come to England for a week. Yeah. Which is also why I haven't been back. And um, <clears throat> I went to a kennel on the other side of the island, and it was run by Greeks. And honestly, it was run like an army camp. It was it was military frightening. And I knew they wouldn't. Adapt there. there, no. And they'd think weird things like they wouldn't let me look at the kennels. They said I'd disturb the dogs that were in there, and I said, fair enough. But I said, isn't there one empty kennel I can just check? And they went, no, you're not allowed in there. Oh, you know, really weird yeah. stuff that you. Well, I, you need to know where your where your dogs are going to sleep, yeah. where they're going to be, so you can visualise it. Well, especially when they're old, you know. Yeah. Um, I need them to feel they're safe. They're not. They're not as the. You know, they're vulnerable. Age. It matters. You know, they're vulnerable. So um, it's a bit disappointing that whole thing about animal treatment in the Mediterranean. And coming to London and just seeing how so many people have dogs now. Oh, yes, it's massive puppies everywhere. And, and people are great with them, and everyone's nice to me, everyone. And that just doesn't happen in Greece. Well, I think what's happened, I'm, I mean, we are a dog society here, but what's happened with what's happened with COVID, that dogs have become so much more of a focal point that people now you know, chat to their neighbours, we care about each other in general. Mm. And so the dogs are a real sort of focus to actually start to have a conversation. Yeah. And people do stop you. And yeah. they do want to know, or they want to know about the breed, or they want yeah. to talk about um, thinking about getting a dog and yeah. all sorts of questions. Well, <clears throat> some of the people I've met have got rescue dogs from Crete. Yeah, there is um, <coughs> quite a lot around here. There's a lot from... The, the, Crete, the, the Crete Animal Protection Society is UK-based, and she does an amazing job getting the dogs back from Crete and homing them here. Um, and there are other places, Amber, Amber's Hope, they bring dogs over in a van all the time and rehome them here. It, it is wonderful how um, the non-Greeks have taken it upon themselves. Well, the expats really have taken it upon themselves to sort this situation out. Still haven't improved the lives of dogs though on on Greek chicken in you know in a sure chicken coop where it's on a and it's now illegal to keep a dog on a chain twenty four seven. But it should be. But they you know if you report them to the police, which you're meant to do with photographs and all that, they'll target you. Oh, really? They'll know who, they'll find out who did it. So are there many dogs sort of still chained mm. on balconies? Oh, not, or, not or chained in, on balconies, kept on tight in balconies all day, which they think is fine. Is it being fed? I've seen it dragged out for pee and dragged, I saw in the street parallel the other day, a young woman dragged poor dog out. It was allowed to cock its leg once. Look, it was dragged back in. You know, it takes quite a long time for that bladder to empty. It's several peas. <laughs> Absolutely. With the sniffs, it all works together. Yes. I just, I've got, you know, that's the only, only occasion I've just gone, oh, you know, young girls. Well, maybe, 
that let's hope it, it maybe shouldn't have a garden and it was just a quick sort of relief should we say but i know it should be able to walk up and down the street to be able to minutes. absolutely and it I, was being dragged you know i mean young dogs can keep their bladders all night i mean it's amazing isn't it that they don't need to go until my morning. dogs can yeah i mean we've got a roof terrace there which they can pee on luckily they don't like it they they don't like going out on the roof but they will if we've gone to bed early and you know um but they will hold they're very good, my two. They're amazing. So, um, <clears throat> what else? <laughs> You're so interesting. There's so Whoa. many things to actually ask. I mean, um, so um, your journey coming back. So um, how, how does it work with them, with the drive? They're happy in the car? For... The car is their home. Yeah. Because okay. Of, uh, you know, when I was in that caravan in the olive grove looking for where we would live, looking for a place to live, which took a long time. We were in the car all the time. It became their home, and it's full of blankets and cosy stuff. And they're happy snuggled up together. They, no, they don't like no. being together at all. Oh, they, they sleep separately? Yeah, totally. She oh, doesn't want to be any... He's a bully. Oh, he's oh really? Bully, yeah. They look very close when you're walking. They are, but <laughs> they would never snuggle up. Oh, really? Oh, God, no. So how how is it with you? Who 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 has? They don't you, snuggle up with me. Either no. no. I mean, if we're on the sofa, they'll lie one here, one here, while I'm reading. But there's no. I mean, in the bedroom, they've got their own beds on my bed. Then they're not in. They're not near me. Okay, so they're very independent due to their sort of upbringing, their life, and yeah, what happened to them. Which suits me fine. But they're always close with each other. They're always in the same room. Not always. No? No. In Crete, in this little place I live in, and also in the shop, sometimes she'll go into the bathroom where I've got cushions in a corner because it's cool and dark. She'd rather be separate in there. She, The small dog Sheba likes to be very separate from her bully brother. He's a bully. Really a bully. He's really a bully. He's mean to her sometimes. Oh, and what about food? I mean, do they share? No. No. Separately. Se always separately, yeah. yeah. Always. I learnt that early on. Okay. She didn't get a look in. <laughs> and bones, they have to be in... I, I give them bones and he has to be outside. And I've made this mat inside for bones for her, which is only down for bones, you know, it's a horrid little mat. And um, that's the only way I can let her have her own bone. Otherwise, he'll attack her. Oh, really? So it really is that they look each for their own. Mm. Even though they're together, mm. they are quite insular in themselves. Well, because he's a bully. Yeah. And she's just made it so that she doesn't want to be near him. It doesn't mean she dislikes him. No. And I see them talking to I see them talking to each other when we're walking in, and I don't know what's happened. Maybe they've seen something, or they've smelt something that tells them. And I see her going to his ear, and you know, and then off they go with their ears flapping. You know, they have this communication that means they are very close. Mm. Well, I've seen it when they walk; they they look extremely close. Yeah, it's just you haven't seen the bullying. No, behind closed doors, no. one never knows, yeah, do yeah. they? Well, <laughs> domestic violence. Well, not quite on that level. 
Oh, really? Yeah, to punish him when he's mean to her. What do you do by way of punishment? I hit him quite lightly, but but strictly. I I hit him and on the on the back of his neck. <coughs> and I'm really stern, <coughs> and I won't talk to him for about an hour. But it doesn't stop him. But it just means I catch him when he's been, sure he's violated her. You know, there's a terrible terrible noise. He attacks her. Oh, really? He gets the bone or the whatever he... Oh, right. She's that's... much better at finding food than he is. Okay. When they're scavenging on the street. I mean, none of us like letting you do much of that, but sometimes it happens. And um, especially when they're off lead on Hampstead Heath or something. And the other day, we were on Hampstead Heath, and they're just getting used to the vegetation here. They've never been to England before. So we've been three times to Hampstead Heath, and this third time they really, really knew where they were and what they were doing. And both of them disappeared into the bush and into the um, undergrowth. And um, there was this terrific noise. And this massive bird, I think it was a pigeon, flew out and nearly hit my head as it took off. And out behind it came Sheba. And she'd got this huge bird up. She wow. She it up. Not Jack. Wow. He came out a bit later, a bit, you know, dazed, you know. Very industrious. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, they are hunters. And I love yeah. that. But they, they can't... I mean, in Australia, for instance, they'd go hunting in the shallows where we had these jumping silver fish. So they'd run yelping for miles along the, the shoreline with these fish jumping around them. And they were miles away from me, because I'm back towards the beach. And they tied out, you see, so they're out there. And I looked, and Jack was just standing still with this huge fish in his mouth. This silver fish flopping. And he had no idea what to do with it. Well, I'm amazed he actually caught it. I think it jumped into his mouth by mistake, honestly. I could just see him not knowing what to do with it. And then he finally just let it just go. And he dropped it back in yeah, the I ocean. Try and eat it. No, 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 quite. Well, why wouldn't you if you'd caught a fish? I would. He was very proud of himself. Well, I think he just had no idea what had happened. <laughs> Extraordinary. Shame you didn't have your camera just to take a yeah. picture of it right We're at that moment. We're too far away, actually. Far away. But, um, yeah, that hunting side of them I've always tried to encourage because I know they're not going to harm anything, really. They never, they never catch it. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm in sort of the land of Northwest Doodle, yes, so um, yes. they're not hunters. No, no. I know, and, and I'm, I mean, I, I, they were hunters when they were on their own. They had to be. Yeah. And that never left them. That's well, they had a whole different beginning, mm. and exactly. um, very, they very different. Well, I mean, they were house trained when I found them, but they weren't domesticated. And there came a time where I had a shop, one shop in Port Douglas, where I couldn't take my dogs, which was terrible because I had to leave them at home on their own all day. So I'd walk them in the morning, beautiful weather, you know, Mediterranean weather, beautiful transparent water, and tea grass. Wow. They were in their element, you know, pottering along and I'd have to go to work. So 
I decided to leave them out there on the beach. They knew where the house was. And to I, just play. Yeah. yeah, and leave that. The house was open. You could, you could do that. And um, I, I, thought, I knew they'd find their way back and they had water and food, you know. And then I, I'd come back later and all would be well. Well, it wasn't. They ran away. Oh, because they felt a bit displaced? They didn't know where to what, what was it? No, I think they took the opportunity. Oh, really? wasn't so long that they'd been with me. But don't forget, they'd been on their own before I got them. They disappeared for five days. Oh, how... And I thought they were dead, and I rang an animal communicator. Jack came back, actually, after four. He'd limped into another house, very dehydrated, and a chap had been told that he was mine, and this chap brought Jack back. But she was gone, and I rang an animal communicator, and she said that Sheba was at peace, which I meant for me she was dead. So I just, that's when my grieving began, you know. I just, you know, wailing. And uh, I'd obviously told the council and the nearby rescue place and everything, you know, all of that put signs up. Anyway, that was the Sunday. On the Monday, the phone rang and the rescue place, um, somebody had dropped off a little dog that looked like mine. And it was her. Sheba returned. And they won't tell you who dropped it off. They guarantee anonymity. Okay. So say you decide to steal a dog and then you feel you shouldn't have. You can drop it off there without being um, incriminated. Okay. Because otherwise people might not drop off the yeah, dog, yeah. In, in case they're taken to the police station, you know. So it's, it's a way of getting dogs back. So I never knew who had dropped her off. But I was ecstatic. Yes, of course. Anyway, I went to my shop. Oh, well, what I had to choose after that experience was, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm going to give them... Oh, when she returned, same with Jack, they had a real spark in their eyes and their ears were really glossy, as if they'd just had the most wonderful, wonderful time. They were dehydrated, but from the salt water, you know, but they were just in their element, having had this five days of freedom. And I had this difficult choice to make, whether to let them lose their lives, because yeah. crocs inhabit all those mangroves and rivers where they were, or, dangerous. or for me to keep them. So I chose for my sake to keep them, not and to domesticate them. Yeah. So I locked them in. I started to lock them in. I'd walk them and leave them in. And well, and it, you became responsible. Yeah. And in, it was difficult because they were so happy. Yeah. You see? Well, they're, it's not that I, I would know, but their whole beginning is very different to how one has a dog here. Yeah. You choose one, you pick one. They, yeah. They, become members of your family and then you yeah. keep them in your sort of well, routine. Well, that's right. That's right. And and, I and you don't let them out free at all, except no. in the garden. Which is what ended up yes. being the case. Um, because I got into a lot of trouble. didn't have a fence on the house in this remote beach I lived on, which was quite suburban. Other houses were there. And um, 
people's bikes and Jack would chase bikes. It sounds idyllic. No, but people started to complain. Oh. Because I wasn't stopping him from, because I didn't have a fence, from chasing bikes. But that's how he broke his leg. Oh. He chased a car. Gosh. Great suddenly. Wham. So that was my fault. Well, I had a lot to learn. I wanted, you see, I wanted this freedom for them, but also people were pissed off with me for giving him, giving them that freedom. But um, it sounds like you couldn't have reined them in anyhow due to how they, they, when they came to you, how they were and the freedom which they had. So it's almost a sort mm. of, they had to have a learnt behaviour to, to know what was you were yeah. going to accept from them and how you were going to keep them in your studio whilst you're at work. Did they ever go off wandering when the door was open there or did they just stay within? They would have done. But I, you didn't I, allow it. I didn't allow it ever again after that five-day thing. Um, I found a woman who would have them for the day, an old, old, old woman in the little retirement village there who loved having them. While I was at the shop. Doggy daycare. But, but, the, but the weird thing was, after that experience of Sheba being found and handed in, I, I went back. My shop, which I wasn't allowed to take dogs to, was in a sort of typical Australian mall. Mall. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was right next to Target. And um, do you have Target here? No. I don't oh, think so. Target's like a cheap kind of everything store. Like a pound store. A bit better quality, good good quality clothes, you know, and for other things, electric things. And sort of a Primark. Probably. Um, yeah. Probably. Anyway, um, and there was a hairdresser opposite, and everyone had known how upset I had been about my dog. Of course. So the hairdresser, I said to him, oh, she was, you know, I was ecstatic. And he said, he said, did you know the new manager of Target has a little dog like Sheba? Um, I said, no, because we're not allowed dogs here, you know. He said, yeah. And he said, um, go and talk to him. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, but it turned out that Sheba had ended up with in him. this guy's house, dehydrated, dragged herself out of the mangroves, collapsed in his yard. And he nursed her back to... Nursed her back, and he had bought, he'd just arrived for his new job from Sydney or somewhere, into this tropical town, and he had bought himself a huge young puppy. But he was at work all day, and the puppy was lost. Home. So it was companionship she, for the puppy. She loved the huge dog. And apparently she started to lose the posture. Whereas having been bullied all her life by her brother Jack, she suddenly became the tyrant. But they got on very well, this huge. Sure. So the man from Target thought, oh, I'll keep her then. So, so you had to have a conversation. And but what happened was something must have happened make him change his mind, whether she barked a lot or whether he felt guilty. I never found out. But what I did was, when I realised it was him who had handed her in, 
I went to see him to, and I wanted to thank him. And he was so shifty. He oh. didn't want to know me. And I said, I'll, I'll bring Shiva in for you to see again. He went, no, I can't see him. Very, very shifty. So I think he felt very weird that he'd stolen her and not handed her in. Yeah, quite you know. so. Yeah, but that was strange too because he actually lived on my beach. So you were neighbours. We were neighbours, you know, neighbours in town. Wow. Well, what what life Sheba and Jack have had. I mean, talk about um, having more life than anybody else. It's amazing. And and now they're safely at home while you're having this conversation with me. Tony's a beautiful woman who, um, an old friend of mine, used to have a house in Tiverton, uh-huh. rented it out, did it out, beautiful, knocked out the back, all glass, you know, lovely. And she's rented it out, she got a loan to buy this flat here above um, the co-op. And um, she just said to me on the phone, she said, stay as long as you like, because we can't come up there till the end of lockdown. Lovely friend. And... Uh, I didn't want to push it, you know, I thought, because I was due to leave Rebecca. Yes, and then the snow yeah. came. Mm. This is why we're having this conversation. Yeah. So, so snow, yeah, thank you so much for so, doing this. So she, we had a conversation. I said, well, it would help if I drove when it was less icy. Because I think this is the whole of Northern Europe. Yeah. And she said, you can stay something like, and I said, God, you know, thank you. I just didn't want to push it. You know, you've been so generous. And um, she said, Margot, the amazing thing is that I can give you this, and I can't tell you how much that means to me because I love you so much. Oh, lovely, incredible woman! A really old friend I haven't seen for years, you know. And well, you're a very special lady, yeah, and your dogs are absolutely delightful. Yeah, we're so lucky, Rebecca. And, um, nice to meet you too. And very nice to meet you, yeah. and thank you so much. My pleasure. All these lovely stories about the dogs. And you take care and have a yeah. safe journey home. Well, I might see you around. You will. Yeah. You will. Thank you so much. Thank you.